0: Shep Maniacs, you're listening to another episode of the Shep Talk Show. I'm Dave. I really don't. I, I'm drinking coffee and water, so I'm going to have a bathroom explosion, <laughs> Rupert, and with me is Chris comfortable oh. in the booth quick. Oh, does that
1: work? I have, the, I, have, I have the same thought. I'm like, normally I you take care of those things before the show. Oh, that's a gross hey. way to start the show. Let's do something Uppers else. Uppers and downers, um, <laughs>
0: man. That's how the Elvis died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway,
1: we you know, in the last couple of shows, we have not done as many user, you know, listener-submitted questions as we would like. They're coming in at a decent clip these days. Um, but please, you know, and always know that you can go to ShopTalkShow.com, click that Ask button, and send in a question. Or it could just be kind of like your thoughts on something and kind of a like a request for a topic kind of thing. Like, what do you think about this? That's kind of enough, you know? I like the the question-based ones, too. But if it's just kind of like it would be nice to hear us talk about that. That's cool too. Cause that's what we end up doing anyway.
0: <laughs> well, and, and if we get a lot of you did it wrongs uh, too. Uh, and, and I think like we're send those in too. And like, like highlight points we missed. I think that's fine. And we'll try to address it like in later shows. Cause I always forget, uh, you know, if it comes through Twitter or something like that, I forget to like, Oh, we need to forgot to mention, whatever sure WebRTC has some weird thing so anyway but we I've loved seeing these questions come in so it's, it's good we had a good nice little dearth there and now we're now we're back in the uh, question hopper is getting full
1: yeah there's one, there's one about, I think we're, I, I wonder what, let me just read the question. You tell me what the term is. I might even stop the question halfway through to have you guess at what the term is because I think it, it's it been named, but I can't remember the name of this phenomenon right now. But it's related to Jamstack in a way, right? Jamstack, you pre-render stuff. That's pretty much like the one thing Jamstack asks you to do. Otherwise, pretty unprescriptive, you know? It's like pre-render some stuff and throw it on a static host with the CDN, you know? Anyway, so here's the question. Let's say you have a site that uses a JavaScript framework, but it also uses statically generated HTML. You know, like that, you know, you're doing kind of both, which is actually getting a lot more normal. Uh, So you go to the URL and it loads super fast because it's already got the HTML. Oh, sick. Good job. Um, So you see everything, but then there's this like moment in which that the page is like, well, I already have that, but I'm a JavaScript app, so I'm going to boot up The JavaScript, too, I'm going to request a bunch of JavaScript, I'm going to execute a bunch of JavaScript, and the JavaScript's going to kind of take over because there's advantages to that. As much as people like to scream and shout that maybe there isn't, I think there kind of is. I think it's kind of nice sometimes when JavaScript takes over click events and does a really fast second page load. I kinda like it. Not everybody does, but not you know, not every site deserves it or needs it, but whatever. It's kind of nice. So, okay. But there's that moment in which the page is rendered, but the JavaScript is executing, which kind of stops things. Like there's a it can stop the main thread. It can, you know, there's a moment where the you know, the click handler is blocked or whatever. Like what do you call that in-between phase?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's kind of an uncanny valley because it looks yeah, that's like what a came web to page mind for me, too. Yeah. It looks like a web page, but an interactive web page, but it is not an interactive web page. Um, so the I think the metrics people are tracking are time, uh, TTI, uh, TTI to time to interactive, or the new one is kind of first, first input, input delay. Yeah. Which is like, and my quintessential example is The Verge, which everyone's so hard on The Verge, but it's, you know, it's a blog. It's a very popular blog. But, I mean, I can load up The Verge and I'm the search input isn't interactive for about a good 25 minutes. And so it's always noticeable to me that one little piece um, when yeah. people are talking about, like, interactive, but it doesn't work. That's, like, my... Go-to example.
1: That seems right. So I think uncanny valley is a good word for it too. Now that's that robotics term where people are like happy, happy about little robots with, you know, square faces and bows in their hair. And they kind of get it when a robot is exactly looks like a human, like Battlestar Galactica or whatever. But Mm -hmm. they don't like it when it's like... Almost looks like a human, but not quite enough. Like we like reject it. We're like, ooh, ooh, that's yeah, it's like hideous.
0: Really. Yeah, when it's, it's, it's hideous when it's not full fidelity. Like yeah. very rudimentary is like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then when it's very full fidelity you're like yeah that's cool that's fine but that uncanny valley where you're just like mm-hmm. oh what is this monstrosity <laughs> you know I, I it's think,
1: funny and i think it's cool to co opt that term for a website so so that's cool and i think the process itself is referred to as hydration when the site yeah, is there
0: the, yeah the yeah so that's when basically the static dried out chunk of website <laughs> is delivered, then the JavaScript comes through and hydrates that with right. new data or interactivity event.
1: Findings. It brings up fascinating stuff. Like, could, like, is there a world in which that browsers are kind of like updated in some kind of way that is hydration friendly? That are like, le- just leave the site alone for a moment, you know? Because usually these sites that that are hydrating, the links in them do still work. Like, if the JavaScript never loaded... The the AEH refs still point to another URL that also is pre-rendered and stuff. So the hydration is kind of optional on these sites. It's just nice when it happens that if that if that was became popular enough that browsers could be like, well, we can speed up hydration or something. We can like load all the resources and then like you know within a couple of milliseconds flip on the JavaScript. I don't know if that's possible or not, but it occurs to me that it's like the reason that hydration sucks and then unc- Uncanny Valley sucks is because of just the ways the browsers work today. That
0: doesn't have yeah, to be that in, way forever. You know, I was going to say there. There's a few things coming to the web platform. The scheduling API. Oh, I don't even is, know this. What's this? Um, this is some work that like uh, uh, stubbornella, uh, mm-hmm. Nicole Nicole Sullivan. Uh, Nicole Sullivan I was like yeah. I had it but anyway Nicole Sullivan is working like with the re- Facebook React team on and it's this idea that you can assign high medium or low priority to scripts or events or something you know I'm not sure what the exact API is but it's this idea that you can like basically prioritize things like this has to go through the CPU first please do this little chunk first so there's maybe a future where you can like say all the buttons that got painted they need those are high priority items they need to be interactive first. My op- uh, like this is Dave too many farts in the fart machine uh, <laughs> Rupert talking I think my my optimism that this is going to work is very low because everyone <laughs> thinks their thing is the most important thing, you know, like oh, fair enough. I could like, see it going the, the other way. Cause you're, it's like, does the search need to work or does the content need to load? I think probably the content needs to load. Well, now you have to, to load the whole templating machine that has to be way before any kind of event is, you know? So I, I just, I don't know that scheduling is going to buy us like, like a million, uh, yeah, maybe not. percent improvement, but there is like a, a post over on the uh, Facebook engineering blog that kind of outlines their work they're doing there. Um, Cause I think they're contributing to, to blink a bit too for this, but it, it's the idea that like you click a button and nothing happens for a bit because none of the events or anything are even loaded yet. Um, but it, like, so they're trying to solve- or something. Well, or or just they're or like it's the CPU's throttled, so it can't do that those tasks or whatever. Or it's doing other work, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, behind the scenes repaints or whatever. But I, for me, it's like how bad did you mess up a button <laughs> that it doesn't work? Uh, but I, I think also, you know, if whatever the ship has sailed on JavaScript, I think we we've said before. So uh, like. Like uh, people need this apparently, but my my optimism that everyone's going to be like, yes, this is a high priority thing. Yes, this is a low. I think that's pretty low, like well, on the listen big to scale. This it's,
1: it's not. I mean, priority is one thing, but it's like I I almost don't even care if a button is high priority or low priority. What I actually care about is that the time between those two, between it being just a regular piece of HTML and it being having an active working JavaScript click handler on it is minimized. So whether that's high priority or low priority, I don't care. I just want it to like never feel broken. It's either going to just behave like an HTML link or JavaScript is going to handle it in quickly, but not nothing in between. So I kind of like don't Mm -hmm. care about priority. I care about minimizing the gap anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, I think at some point it's possible that it will, uh, Uh, go faster. Yeah. They, so they have one called is input pending. I'll I'll just post some notes in the show. Like they sort of like are proposing these things and they're kind of going through the implementation process. This is from last year and I think it's changed considerably, but, um, I'll post a link to this is input pending idea. And then I think that has morphed into like CPU scheduling. So
1: um, that was the idea from Rory here, who uh, was was the original asker of the question. Is that um, <laughs> is there a way that you could like run a little bit of JavaScript first before your bigger bundle? I guess is the implication here, and kind of like remember all the events that happened on the page, then wait for all the JavaScript to execute, then then execute those events after the JavaScript is loaded. Kind of like I don't like the gap. I like I want JavaScript to handle my events. But like I don't want them to be forgotten about. This is kind of an interesting theory. I would think you're digging yourself into some technical debt hole if you went down that road. And I would probably not recommend it, but it's 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 not not clever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just looked at the main thread scheduling on the wikig uh thing, and it's still set. there's like scheduler, so like you create a scheduler, and so your task would be like Scheduled into a task. You basically create a task queue. If you've ever used rescue in Rails or something right. like that, or Sidekick or whatever, mm-hmm. you basically have like and a, down all those roads. Well, well, yeah, right? But a little store, and then the browser just kind of chucks through this this stack list of tasks it needs to get through. And then there's like scheduler.yield, scheduler.post a task, and then is input pending on this thing. So apparently that's something you can do uh, or or is coming I, again i don't know the full status of this you'd have to get kind of uh uh really deep into it, it looks like last commit was april 24th so it's in under development or an under sort of uh consideration so
1: i know uh i know aws has queuing and queuing and scheduling and stuff now too i don't know if it's super new i'm sure it's not but it's new to me a little bit, kind of like chuck these tasks, and of course they do.
0: They have everything. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. This episode of Shop Talk Show
1: is brought to you in part by Honey Badger. That's HoneyBadger.io. Of course, the coolest TLD. Uh, it's, 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 well, it combines a couple of things. It's error monitoring. It's also uptime monitoring and cron monitoring. And it's all together. So the error monitoring um, is a huge thing. It's one of those things where an app of, of any size, really, you got to have some error monitoring. It's like not an optional thing for your app. You need to know when your app is throwing errors, like obviously, right? And it's back end and front end. So say you got like a Ruby app or something, you install it, the Ruby throws an error, it's not just like being shown to users, it's being logged in the system with a stack trace, and then you set up alerts so you can find out about it too, you go into Honey Badger, you look, you see exactly what the error is, and then you have the tools to fix the dang thing. That's vital! You know, you don't want like Twitter to be your first line of defense for an error like, oh, I tried to change my password and got a 500. No, that's not good. You need to know about that right away. And then it makes it easy to fix, too, because you see exactly what file, what line it happened on and you fix the bug. That's back end and it supports a bunch of languages, of course, but it supports JavaScript, too. So it's your front end, too. Because JavaScript can throw errors, and it will catch those, too, and report those in the same system. And it's the same for your, you know, your cron jobs and your, um, your uptime, too. Like, if the whole site is down, you should know about that, too. Of course, that's there, too. Honeybadger does it all. And it's a totally bootstrap company from a small team you know they are only beholden to you you're their customers you pay them so you know you know it's the thing it's not like there's not like teams and teams of shareholders to 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 make happy here it's like it's a it's a it's a nice it's a small business kind of situation but don't take small for like that they're not best in class because they are Uh, i use them i think a honey badger is sweet so that's great and they have a generous offer for you mention shop talk you know the podcast our podcast right now the one you're listening to uh, when you check out you get 30 off for six months so just like if you came from us you want to try out honey badger get a little cheaper for half a year half a year pretty cool thanks honey badger bye bye
0: Hey, we've got another question here uh, from Chris Romero writes in, I work uh, for a digital agency that has been thinking more and more about how to integrate web accessibility into our website builds. One possible quote unquote solution to accessibility that has been brought up a few times by project stakeholders is using an accessibility widget. Uh, These widgets claim to comply with some level of WCAG standards without having to change your website code. UserWay asks uh, you to contact them to find out exactly uh, or how exactly the widget is in compliance where accessibility says their tool is in compliance with WCAG 2.1. I have very little experience with these widgets, uh, though we have already put one into production for a client. In my opinion, these tools add to the already confusing landscape of accessibility approaches out there also while potentially giving web developers quote unquote permission to simply ignore accessibility when they're building websites. A case could be made. These solutions could be ideal for anyone that can't afford a complete refactor of their website, but still want to provide some level of access to users with disabilities. Uh, what are your thoughts on these tools? Should we be pushing back on them or another legitimate option? Um, PS here are some URLs. Uh, again, we're uh, from like a liability standpoint, I would not really compliment commenting on these tools specifically or
1: anything. Like this that. is a this a bit of a new territory for me, but these just kind of crossed my desk just the other day. And that, um, well, here's the the bottom line is I've never heard anything good ever about a accessibility widget. I've never heard anybody like put an accessibility widget on a page and then be like, "All done, we did we solved it, solved
0: blindness." <laughs> No. JavaScript I don't solves think it was that blindness.
1: No, and it came across my desk because it was um Adrian Rosalie article and the title of the article is Accessa B, which is one of these ones from the question, will get you sued. And it Oof. was it's kind of quite a it's quite an article kind of talking about <laughs> problems <laughs> as it were. <laughs>
0: well, Adrian is a whole Poker. um <laughs> he finds the problems in uh uh stuff uh right so
1: but right but al- also does kind of know what he's talking about so it's it's tricky you know definitely'
0: yeah. what he's talking about pretty very thorough I would say you know um, um so I, I that's uh so I, I think like you can read this and then like this would be a very good thing to read um here's like I, I've also read like uh, PCLO Group is another accessibility consultancy. Uh-huh. They have one like these accessibility toolbars aren't the best. Like they, that was sort of their right. Sort of
1: again, everything I ever read about them is bad. So what do they? I mean, before we dunk on them anymore, what do they do? Is the idea that you put it on there and then, like you know, some of the don't some of the standards say, oh, I I, you should have a widget to control the font size on the page. So you put the widget on the page, and it offers a way to control the font size on the page. And you feel
0: like, ah, cool, thanks. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so there's there's I'll, I'll say the positive. The the positive is. You, just like in a video game where you can set the settings like, oh, I want my subtitles really big or I want, you know, high contrast or I don't want this, you know, like you can turn things on and off in settings, like giving people options is, you know, that's something we learned with the Shop Talk site. Like like Derek uh, Featherstone was, was telling us like, you, you know, if we can give people options on like maybe changing the heading on our weird ASCII art heading. Like if we could give people options, like that's actually good for them. Cause they can find, they can tailor the legibility to their like needs basically. And uh, so I, I am like super into that. Um, I think that's exactly like, right. Like giving people options is usually a great accessibility solve. So like on the, these tools, you can like change font size, you can change colors, you can enforce yeah, okay. like saying like minimum 7.1 and it'll just like hammer the side or something or like turn images off, turn gifs off or something, you know, like for motion sickness and stuff. So like giving users control is like a good thing. Um, that said, it's it's not a really inclusive way to build because you built an inaccessible product and you're like, well, figure it out. Okay. You know, so
1: it's a it's a sucky band aid. You know, it's like you, I don't know, you broke your legs instead of fixing your legs, you're just like, well, I'll just w- walk with these two sticks then instead of legs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think it's just this like it's a very non-inclusive way. You're basically just band-aiding the whole thing and putting the, the accessibility on the user. Like you're saying, Hey, you deal with it. Not like, you know, I built an accessible website. And also like, you know, if you did something inaccessible, like a keyboard trap or a modal is wrong or something like that, that doesn't fix this. Like, you know like it doesn't fix the bad code you wrote it just add, provides options to customize things for the the non-sided user okay so is or, it, or the not even non sighted cuz like i don't even know what it could do for the accessibility uh, object you know aom um it, but it would be like for low vision users would probably be the most applicable group of people that this supports because people who need like higher contrast or like larger text or different colors and stuff like that. So it really only supports one fraction of people that kind of have a disability. That said, I think it's better than nothing. I mean, if your company is just like, oh, we are doing nothing for accessibility over the next year, you know, again, I'm not a lawyer. I think you know, it sounds like like Adrian really thinks that will get you sued, so you should be careful. Um, you should definitely read this. But like I don't think it's I I don't think it solves something. So um or or like I think it's better than nothing. If you have a big legacy product, maybe this helps you clear up some of your WCAG violations. But again, I don't know. I don't know that it's just instant free no you know, I, I don't know. It doesn't solve you all, all right? your problems.
1: Right, I mean, we can also say, well, the right answer is to actually fix your accessibility problems. Okay, great. But is that you could see how somebody's like, well, that's hard, especially without understanding what the, uh, any particular code base or organization is like. So if this is a band-aid for something that is um, a really difficult situation um maybe but yeah it sounds like even the tool itself is inaccessible and stuff like that like there's some pretty deep problems here uh, and it's uh, it's it's like it wants to be a band aid. Band aids can be okay, but this particular band aid isn't okay. Although, <clears throat> don't quote me on that. This is not my research. I'm looking at here, but I am not compelled by them. There's no no flipping way I would use one of these things. Almost like at a gut level, like a <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, like I don't. I can't even describe exactly why. But I'm like, whoa, some junky widget on the page. Like I hate widgets anyway let alone one that I have no control over that's, like, influencing the site. You know, maybe that's short-sighted because, you know, this is, you know, it's it's helping people, not me, but I have, like, kind of a visceral reaction to these things. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, you know, I, I think, I, I just can't think of any time where it's like, oh, just install this toolbar and all your problems are solved. And And I think it speaks to the larger, like, like, accessibility problem where 98% of websites are inaccessible or whatever. It's like, we, we just are looking for quick fixes. We don't understand the underlying accessibility problems, you know? So if you're like, Oh, do I, if I install this, does it fix it? It's like, well, do you know what your problems are? You know, like if you know what your problems are, then, then it probably, it might, but you got to know what your problems are. Um, so that's, Anyway, I uh,
1: nothing. It looks it I looks like a lot of other people are angry about them too and apparently they use some kind of fear-based tactics to get you to install it like which I also hate, you know? Like I don't know, you should be scared of the accessibility problems on your website and you need us cuz it's like like a malware thing, you know? Like we have scanned your hard drive, there are problems, download this tool. That's the vibe. Don't like oh, it. Oh, I
0: mean, heck, man, not to not to uh be a uh, uh, whatever. Here's my bad faith take. It, I mean, if I was one of these companies, I would also employ a lawyer to go just robo sue people, like just run an automated mm-hmm. test.
1: I got it, one the other day. Yeah, I'm sure you saw. I got a letter in the mail in a very they 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 spent like five dollars to send me this you know thing that made it look really official. So it you know, it was like hand delivered to me with a lawyer's autograph on it saying. we're not suing you yet but it's we're working on it kind of thing that i mean and if you read it wrong you might assume that you are getting sued you know and it was like please please get in touch with us because you know we're willing to settle out of court kind of thing it was such bs it was the most bs thing i've ever seen
0: so bs so like there's a lot of like malpractice kind of happening in this area but like you know it's like you get the sales pitch on this and people are like, no, no, thank you. But then a week later, Oh, surprise. A little lawyer shows up like now they might rethink that or what, you know, and oops, the price is higher or what? Anyway, I'm being cynical here, but I I just, this is like, uh, there's blood in the water and the sharks are here. So you have to be careful. Like, both, both people trying to sell you snake oil to solve your accessibility problems, but then people trying to uh, sue you and take your money. Yeah. And and there's legal precedent. Like the Domino's case was very significant recently. Like you, it's something you have to do. So if you have customers and things like that, you know, does CSS tricks have a big surface area? (laughs) Apparently it does or something. I don't know, but like, you have to be careful so in and i think underlying understanding the underlying problems is probably more important than installing a toolbar that promises to fix it all
1: yeah i like that you know like like accessibility people like like pounce on this stuff you know like like don't make our trade look bad you know like when a when a crappy lawyer does something crappy and good lawyers pounce on them kind of thing i, I kind of like that you know or or you know it's all, it's like wish you almost wish the react community did it more like when there's a bad actor in that particular sub community it's like how do you'd wish they would get piled on a little harder, and I think that's been getting better, you know, but it's like people should be protect protective of their thing, you know when there's bad actors,
0: yeah, if there's bad actors, call them out but then. Like, also, just try to, I don't know. like if you're gonna do my job or whatever, you need to do it in the best way possible. And these are all the considerations I make, you know, and and if I've learned anything about accessibility, I've been working with an accessibility team for a large company uh, for like the last year. And like there's just a lot of nuance in accessibility and and it's unavoidable, and you kind of just have to know enough, you know, like an accordion in the main div that needs headings. Cause people like navigate by that. If it's like a sidebar accordion doesn't need headings. Why would it need headings? Mm. So like, you just have to like, there's all these little things that just little nuances that you don't know unless you work with somebody. And that's kind of the Derek's like uh, mantras, like build inclusively. And, and you know, he ran, he's going to talk about it. I think at an event apart, but, um, he, he like ran our site shoptalkshow.com through like accessibility testing, you know, and, and got feedback from people. They're like, Oh, this was confusing or that's, that was confusing or this helped. And right. so, and it even helped us too. like, do you use transcripts or do you listen to podcasts that ever, you know, and people are, are like, read transcripts and most people are like, no, cause they never exist, you know? And. So it's helpful. Yeah,
1: there were some interesting ones in there. Just as because you went down that row, there was like a we have a lot of work to do here. By the way, not. Not necessarily on accessibility stuff, although we're you know Derek is on it, so if he gives us anything, we just do it, you know. But one of them was kind of about using some kind of fixed positioning on the player, which we ended up using sticky on, and it might be a little aggressive now because the player is so beefy on the site that it like takes up a lot of room. But anyway, it's sticky, so that way, if you are a transcript user, you can listen to the show and use the the transcript, and kind of like you can still pause the show. You still have access to the player while you're reading the transcript. That was like they wanted. That. And then they wanted to be able to jump to different parts in the show. So there's kind of like a drop down for that. You can open that up and then click to get there. Now that's been there for a long time because th- that's dave's library though what kind of what did what, you call that thing the magic linker machine or whatever time jump time, time jump time jump yeah that's cool so we've had that forever but it's not you know it's wired into the site in good ways but then the, the some some additional feedback we has is let's say you're down this grand script a ways and you're like I'm um, you're reading with your eyes like oh i uh, this is the part that interests me i want to jump to there well how do you do that we might not have a timestamp for it in our regular timestamps. And I was like, well, I don't know, we don't have the data, you know, like we can't solve an accessibility problem if we don't have the data. So I just emailed our transcript uh, person, Tina Pham, uh, and she and we're like, can you do timestamps like periodically within the tra- the thing in this thing? And, her, and she's just like, okay. It was like, th- <laughs> that. that's what it took to solve that accessibility okay. problem was like one email of like the... Like a not a big deal at all. Now she charges by the hour, it's super affordable, I think. Thank you, Tina. Um, you know. It, I'm sure it, the price went up three percent or something, as it takes her an extra second to, you know, to put that link to in that there happens. or something. So it's not nothing, but it's, it's it was um, in the grand scheme of things trivial. I have another t- accessibility thing to run past you today. I just think this, is a, I don't know what to th- think of it, but it's kind of like buckets of 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 how you can help accessibility. Think of um, just one thing, just to scope it. Prefers reduced motion. You're familiar.
0: Yes. So that's the API where you can, the the user would set something like, oh, I get motion sickness, I prefer reduced motion, and then in my code, I can basically turn off an animation. Uh, or something, ad- adjust it. Yeah. yeah, or a transition, a really gnarly transition or something. Right,
1: so. yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people turn it off, but I think there's some nuance there. Like, as long as you, like, really reduce it, you can... You don't have to like give up on all animation ever. You just need to like mm. not be so crazy about it. But yeah, like I'm sure on Windows there's some checkbox somewhere. I know on Mac it's in the accessibility settings. You can check a thing that that does that. Now the now the OS itself will do less animation. That's great. Prefers reduced motion on the web is a media query. For doing exactly what you said to do, not to re-explain it, I just mean that like the media query is the important thing, right? So now you can write just like you can write a, you know, min width, max width, whatever kind of media, media query. You can write specific CSS that's for prefers reduce, reduce motion. Okay, we have it. We have the tool. Cool, right? Here's these the different buckets that I think are interesting. You could implement it on your site and you could use it, and that fixes it. You know, for people that really prefer this, I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty. You have solved that particular kind of problem, like showing less animation on your site for every single user that has that enabled, which is kind of cool. That's a, it's like kind of like every user one site. Now, if you tackled that problem from the other another way, you could, for example, Dave Ruper could write a browser plugin which will now run on Safari too interestingly because it's the same format for all the major browsers now. Did you know that? It's kind of cool the oh. you write one plugin, it'll run in Chrome, Firefox, and Safari, which is sweet.
0: I have yeah, and I'm really hopeful that coil goes to my phone that's uh
1: oh, that'd be nice. yeah, I um, fingers crossed. I rolled out a test on that in CodePen, by the way, just to see what if that scale would be any different. Uh, anyway, okay, it's <laughs> an extension. Is, is, you here. wrote this extension, and what it does is it takes a heavy hand. Rather than doing a nuanced kind of, you know, I'm going to chill out these animations or do something, you just wrote a media, like, injected CSS on the page, this browser extension does, that says it prefers reduce reduce motion is reduced, then you do like star selector transition zero second important animation non-important whatever you like wipe out all animations on the page so what you're doing then is for one user you're solving all websites so like what wh- you know isn't that interesting? Like if you're trying to solve this problem, there's like two different angles you can scope it at. It's like solve it for all users on one website or one user for all websites. It's kind of funny. And then if you're a browser vendor, Chrome could do this if they wanted to or Safari or Firefox or anybody else. They could they could kind of force it. You know, they could say, well, if people have this on, I'm not going to let you do certain types of animations. I don't think they ever would do that. I think that's too heavy-handed for a browser mm-hmm. to do, but they could if they wanted to. It's in the bucket of something that they could do, and that would solve it on both sides. It would solve it for all websites, for all users. It's kind of interesting the different the different tools we have and how that kind of appeals to different people, you know?
0: Yeah, and I've heard um, like a little bit of pushback, actually, on this. Not It's not like... Like, I think somebody pulled up Cassie's, Evans's new site, which is awesome and has a lot of motion. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't see the animations. And I think she was like, well, do you have prefers reduced animation on, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah. And and so, like, there's, like, a little disconnect because they were maybe trying to solve their max, like, dock. Like, when the dock goes, or whatever. And it's, like, Mm. really kind of intense and it's kind of nauseating even to me i'm pretty fine on the vestibular front but you know i I think like you know i think some people were like oh you know it's all you know it's it's i don't i'm not seeing it but it's probably because you like reduce motion on your os but you know again i i sort of wish like browsers could i feel like this with dark mode too like I wish there's an o s setting, but I wish there's also a browser level setting for like oh, actually show me the light mode or show me that even if my o s is in dark mode, show me the light mode um in uh I think like edge does that like mm. or windows has that it's like go dark theme, but light content or whatever light you know application you know this is,
1: reminds me of is um, role based permissions and how like a role can. You, know, you can set up a role and the role has these X things in it, and the role could take websites or it could take logged in users or it could take anything. and then the role does different things. And right now we don't we don't have that. We just have this very global setting. But another approach to this, uh, that's the kind of time tested is role based permissions. like you could the permission could be like, well, this I like dark mode and prefers reduced motion. And then I could drag website URLs into that role. And that would be specific to those websites. That'd be kind of cool. Or like, I want to apply it globally if I want to.
0: Or even if there's like granularity or something, you know, like some motion or reduced or like, or off or something. Reduced or off would be like kind of cool, you know, like those two levels would You know, and and on the off setting, browsers could just nuke it entirely. And on the reduced setting, I could just go do my job a little better or like have some author decisions or something. I don't know. But then again, you know, people might just use a plugin and like a, you know, a user style thing and just nuke it entirely. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by
1: Advanced Custom Fields, ACF, that's AdvancedCustomFields.com, plugin for WordPress that, if you didn't know, uh, is one of the nicest ones out there. It really makes WordPress into a proper CMS and that you can uh, you can say, hey, I need this group of fields. You know, I'm a building a real estate site. I need to have houses and houses have a price and square footage and number of bathrooms and description and which agent is representing it and yada yada yada. You can flesh that out really quickly and attach it to a post or a custom post type and boom you're really cooking with gas now. You're making a WordPress site with just the data that you need. Uh, And it doesn't just kind of work. It really works wonderfully. They've been around a long time perfecting how well this works. Now the Gutenberg editor comes out. The block editor Editor In WordPress, they invented a way to make building blocks for the block editor tremendously good. You do it all in PHP. It's just like regular WordPress development. You kind of like declare a block. Uh, You know, there's this whole function for it. Like, what's the name? What's its ID? What kind of icon does it have? What keywords does it have? Because that makes it easy to pop up in the block editor. Wonderful. And you point it to another PHP file that says... This is where I'm going to render it. So it could be div ID my house or a house or whatever, and you output all stuff you want in there. Now, you could do nothing. I mean, this block could be static content if you wanted it to be. It doesn't even need to pull in ACF fields. It can be, it's just a way to build a block. It could be just static stuff, or it could have its own calls in there that pull data from wherever and display it. It's like just, you know, it's just a way to build a block. Although I'd say in general, it works really nicely with, custom fields. You know, you, you bundle that all up together. But let me tell you a really quick story because I think this is a cool development story. I was whining the other day, oh, WordPress doesn't have a good detail summary block. Now, you know what those are in HTML, right? It's details wraps this chunk and then there's a summary tag inside it. And the summary tag has like a triangle next to it and you can open it and close it. You know, It's like toggleable content, but you need no CSS or JavaScript to make this work. It's a tremendously nice feature of HTML. I like to use them in blog posts sometimes, you know, be able to toggle a section collapse that, you know, might just be extra content that you don't always need to be looking at or has a spoiler in it or something. WordPress, the block editor doesn't have a detailed summary element, but I wanted to build one. So, you know, you can in the block editor make an html block and then just manually write html like detail summary but that sucks because then you're you can't use other blocks inside of it now there's a couple of takes on the wordpress marketplace that have a detail summary block and it's okay but it's kind of like what's the summary what text do you want to put inside and that's it you can't put arbitrary blocks inside and in the old days of acf blocks you couldn't either not really you couldn't make a ACF block, and then just say, you know what should go inside this? Just arbitrary other blocks. List blocks, and block quote blocks, and images, and columns, and literally any other block. This beta release, and it's maybe by the time you're listening to it, this won't even be beta anymore, but it works great. It's in like beta 3 now. I just was playing with it yesterday. You can just put in your template, where you're building the block, one line of code inner blocks, and make it look like JSX with a capital I, capital B, at the closing, self-closing slash. And then it's just saying, in this block, accept any other block inside of it. It's just incredible. So you can have this wrapper block and then just use the block editor and just be dragging and dropping blocks inside of it like any other block. It really feels magical and it totally solved my detail summary problem because I made my own detail summary block that has inner blocks inside of it. So I can do whatever I want now and it feels very satisfying. I wrote it in very few lines of code. So I know this was a long sponsorship spot, but it's really cool. High five ACF. Uh, You do great work. You make WordPress better and we appreciate it. Thank you. Very, very interesting, gosh, we get we ended up talking about so much stuff. I don't barely even remember. we started talking about widgets and stuff, but we we drove that into the ground let's uh let's do this um this one from Derek Austin, which is <laughs> this this is fascinating. I'm one year into a career change from physical therapy to web development, and I've been blogging about javascript on medium.com so one year into it, my question is what do you think about medium as a way of monetizing your blog he says so far i've made about six thousand dollars and received one million views from the 100 articles i've posted there over the last year that seems to be the worth it type of money uh, that Dave wants from his blog and keep doing the pause. But Derek Austin, so Derek d- underscore develops is this Medium username. Has written a hundred blog posts and made six six G's on Medium. Wow, in I'm a year. Just can't
0: go ahead and say you're doing way better than me. I've, <laughs> uh, I, I've made I make twenty dollars a month, and you're like pulling sixty dollars an article. This is you're you're not. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, That's actually pretty incredible uh, reach there. I'm sure I I think I'm in the one million page view range, but I I have different analytics that tell me different things. But uh, I think you're doing pretty good there. So I wouldn't switch. I mean, I'm I don't know. I'm always a big fan of the like uh, own your own content, you know, like so. So I, I think. Having it outside of medium is good, but it sounds like medium is also like whatever, like at least paying you. So I think that's like, does
1: everyone get paid on medium or do you have to like turn it on? The lot, you know, the criticism you see is like you write on Medium and you don't even know if it's going to get paywalled or not. It's like surprise, it's yeah. paywalled now, which that seems weird. Can you like turn on the paywall all the time if you want? I mean, I guess we're, we're doing this freaking podcast. We could have at least researched it. So sorry, listeners, but it's you know I don't, <laughs> I'm not in the I'm not in the Medium market. I already got a blog. I'm very happy there. I make a bit I, be, I make a bit more than that blogging. I mean, we're in different categories a little bit so i'm not like looking to start porting my stuff to to, to medium necessarily but i've never heard the numbers before this is my first time hearing somebody that's that's doing this well the other stories i hear is like of of, you know like free code camp piecing out a medium and like uh, you know there was a media there's a a time for a little while where everybody was piecing out a medium you know
0: so i mean i think I think this is good. I mean, this isn't like quit your job, retire money quite yet. Like $6,000 over uh, whatever, a hundred articles. Let's say you're prolific and can do one article a week or two articles a week. I don't know. Uh, be what would three be for him. Articles? Three, right? And so three articles a week. For
1: 500 bucks a month, essentially, which is, it's really not bad. Plus you do kind of own it,
0: you know, like you wrote yeah, it. Yeah, it's your, Yeah. I think that's pretty good. And like again, you're getting like sixty bucks an article on average. Like that's that's pretty good because that's your money. You know, you didn't have to take a cut or no. You know.
1: Nor did you deal with the advertisers. That money just arrived, which is don't discount that. Dealing with all the ads no, yourself didn't. is uh, is a pain, but it's you know,
0: it's hard. I, I yeah. mean, I think. You know, I even with podcasting, like there's always this dream. I'll do a podcast, and money will just show up. You know, and do not always. It's so. but you're
1: not gunning for this day. I'll t- you know, like the, I I'm looking at Derek's vlog right now. It's like how to add footnotes on Medium. What is JSON used for in JavaScript programming? How to check if jQuery is loaded on the page? Two Gmail secrets everyone should know. How to apply CSS styles to page elements using JavaScript. you know, this is the, this is the path I'd like to tread down. I've been trying to get us to do more of this type of stuff. Like just answer a question really clearly. Cause for me, Google is has been great for us so we can use our good SEO and the more how-to articles we publish like this the the better that's going to get and I think that's smart for technical writing in general and I think Derek kind of intuitively understood that and just rolls with it and just answers really clear questions that he's that you know probably he's figuring out and then it's like I'm just going to publish an article that very clearly answers that question that's of course that's going to do well and I'd say you know if that was your goal dave if you're like i am going to make money blogging and i am, this is my singular prize on earth you could you could absolutely do that you
0: know i could do that but i you know and what's important here i'm looking at the date stamps like Derek's showing up to work every day to blog he's not just this isn't like a passive like he's these these are every day there's a blog post so um so, a got good content scheduling, and B just you know showing up. I think that's part of it too. Um, but yeah, I, I think I could I I could maybe do something like that. You know, I don't know.
1: Well, do you want yeah, to? I, I mean, just, like that's the thing. It's like it's just I think I think a lot of people want this because it's because it's cool because it's passive income. You know, it's like a way that you can you know just tr- kind of turn some words into some money in kind of a la- long lasting way. I'm about to write our my thirteenth. Anniversary of CSS Tricks post, and it took five at least to make it to make it to probably Derek's level here, and then has gone up. But it's not—it's no joke the amount of work. You know, you're not just—you're good not going to step into it. And I think it was very rare to have Derek level success here in year one. Um, but he's proven it, it can be done. But I do think you need to follow this general formula. I think you need to make it easier on yourself. You gotta show up every day and you gotta write articles that are just easy to digest, how to answer a question. That's gonna get you the, the claps you need here.
0: He's got a lot of like two, two-minute reads, eight-minute read, ten-minute read, you know. I, I think three-minute repeat, five minute, like he's in, he's got a Derek, you're doing great. Like this is a good oh, yeah. pocket to be in. Killing it. I, I think me for my blogging, my my blogging is all just get the thought vomit out of the the brain machine because my brain's just consumed with like like I think last week we spent 20 minutes talking about how to like put an image on a webpage or like an optimized image like that's what my brain gets consumed with and so I just even this podcast too some of that just getting these thoughts out in, in in a place where now I don't have to think about it anymore. And I think like my blog is, is a good place for that too. It's just like, okay, this is just now these thoughts are, are documented. I can come back to them later. So um, I think I could take it more seriously. I don't, I don't know if blogging, like I like blogging, but like, I think video is very interesting. Twitch live streaming is very interesting to me. Um, yeah. But, it's but irony, right? Really like you, you're much. like deep
1: thoughts. He's like important, like philosophical thoughts, to me, are like the best blog posts and they'll never make any money. Nobody's making Zero money much. writing essays on that kind of thing. You've got to monetize it in a different way. If you're going to do that, call it a magazine, sell the issue, sell it to the audience of people that want that kind of thing directly. But it's not going to drive the page views like SEO content will to make advertising your vehicle. Like yeah. You can't write the... I'm not going to say it again. I was just going to say the same thing over again. I thought
0: about like printing a zine, you know, like a paper, like photocopier paper kind of zine or something, like collecting articles and stuff like that. I think that would be kind of fun. Robin Rendell's kind of talked about doing that on an ebook front. Like
1: Robin's a great blogger, you know, but it's all thoughts. It's all here's me. And, you know, he's not going to make money selling, putting Google AdSense on there. It's going to be minimal at most,
0: you know. Uh, right that's yeah that's why news is dead so (laughs) (laughs) and that's why news is dead tonight at 10 oh boy even if you're gonna
1: do clickbait you gotta do a lot of it
0: you do you do well i i think my my go-to here is is smashing magazine love italy um but like for the first five years of smashing it was top ten jQuery plugins that'll rock your socks and top ten uh MooTools plugins that'll rock your socks and top ten prototype plugins that'll you know, it was it was very like formulaic and to get to like the top of like dig.com or, or whatever, you know, it was very like 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 clickbaity or or just even this digestible stuff and then I, I like how they made a pivot to kind of more complete pieces and think big pieces and, and, you know, thorough research and all that. So I, I am not saying it can't be both. Like, I think like you can, you know, build with and, and grow and, and get this $6,000 with the hundred blog posts, like by, by like. Again, the saccharine or even just the simple stuff. I think you can do it with the, the the like how to copy objects in arrays in JavaScript. That's a really helpful post. So like I think you can get big and, and monetize that way. But yeah, then I think eventually a lot of people try to go to a bigger outlet. So or, or whatever, bigger thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think a desire for control for, for these type of things is is desirable too. Like at some point, you're like, God, I wish I could just do whatever I want here, and uh, and uh, you can, yeah, you can yeah. if you have your own website.
0: Well, yeah, because you're just yeah, you're just stuck, right? Like if if like, well, that's the stuff that sells, so. You're, you're, you can get stuck in that. So
1: Yeah, I mean, even like layout and like, I wish I could like, I don't know, have a sell a t-shirt and have a nice checkout flow right on the site. Well, you can't on Medium too bad. You got to, I don't know, pick somewhere in the article and hand inject uh, some code that says we sell t-shirts now and it's not a programmatic widget that you can change you just hand wrote it into the content of the article you know I think that type of stuff would would wear on me after a while like
0: mm, I need a little more programmatic control here yeah that's why I mean not that I super leverage that but that's why I like my own site I also like my own site for a lot of reasons
1: a million I like reasons to mess That'd be a good
0: show up on my own site before I mess up on a client site. That's a big one for me. Yeah. So there you go. Well, cool. Well, I, I officially have a meeting, so I'm probably going to have to drop. Off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh,
0: all good, Dave. So, I have a couple meetings today hey. too. It's just been back to back recently. It's been good hey, though. It's the, it's it's the time. So uh, we should wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this and your podcast, your choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop talk Show for tens of tweets a month. Over to shopdocshow.com slash jobs. Get brand new one because people want to hire people like you. And Chris, do you have anything <sighs> else you'd like to say?
1: Shopdocshow.com.